I'm the strategy. It's me. That's the only way I can even express the concept of virality is when you see something that is so radically charismatic or individualized that you have to engage in that content. And I'm a person whose personality is already that. So people love to engage with me and I engage back. And we are back with another Black With No Cream podcast, the number one resource for content creators on earth. Every Monday, we share interviews and discussions with industry-leading creatives whose stories will inspire you to follow your passion. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, and my goal is to provide you with the shortcuts, tips, and advice that'll take your career to the next level. You are now listening to episode number 220, and today's guest is Guap Dad 4000. Guapdad 4000 is a rapper, singer, songwriter, and entrepreneur based out of Los Angeles, California. He is most known for his work on J. Cole's Dreamville compilation album, Revenge of the Dreamers, having three records on that project. This dude is a machine. He's toured the world, had viral smash hits, and recently just raised over $60,000 for multiple nonprofits. This dude is a machine. In this interview, some of the things we discuss are Guap's come up in Oakland, his early interest in music, and how his hustle as a party promoter helped him and his friends create a well-known music group. The moment his music collective decided to put all the spotlight on Guap and help him break into the music scene as a solo artist. How he was able to convince a videographer to shoot three music videos for just a few hundred dollars and how that relationship successfully grew over time. The moment he moved to LA and how his manager let him move into a studio for free to focus on recording and perfecting his craft. We talk about the investing strategy he puts into his art, the experience putting his first album together, getting nominated for a Grammy working with J. Cole, and so much more. Guabdad 4000 is a genius in the music industry that you will definitely want to be paying attention to, so I advise you to take some notes on this episode today. Yo, time for the current events. Uh, nothing new going on in my life, but we did just drop uh, our first, I would say it's our first video to our YouTube channel. I know we've been putting out videos on the YouTube channel for the last like two, three years, uh, but that was all podcast oriented content. We've switched. We're going to start making some shorter form content for our YouTube channel. It will definitely be beneficial to the content creators out there, my videographers, photographers, editors, all you types of people. We're going to be putting a lot of energy into this over the next few months, so I hope that you will go check it out. The first video that we dropped is called How to Shoot Event Recap Videos for Brands. I put the link in the description below. This is going to be a segment on the YouTube channel called Run It Back, where I run it back on past projects that... Uh, I've done over my career and I kind of give you some insight to my thought process and hopefully educate you on on the ways I went about things at that time. So this specific video goes into uh, an NBA live recap video that I shot for EA Sports in 2016 at the W Hotel in LA. I give you the full breakdown of my thought process preparing for it, how I shot it and why I shot it the way I did. So Definitely check out that video if you're interested in it. Make sure to subscribe to that channel. We're going to need all the help we can get getting this thing off the ground, and and hopefully you find it helpful. But that's it. The time's come. Pour up a coffee. Get ready to take some notes and enjoy the best podcast ever created right motherfucking now. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. We got Guap Dad 4000 on the podcast. Air horns, air yeah. horns. How you feeling, dude? I feel uh, handsome, talented, and black. <laughs> there we go. All right, tight. You got the glasses on. Those shits fly. You said you're in Oakland right now? Yeah. Tell me about Oakland. What are you doing? Oh, uh, man. I came out here to shoot the cover for my next album. I got my photographer, Paul Middleton, with me. My little brother, 
chances here and we they gonna smoke some weed we gonna get some food after this probably some tacos or some oakland ass shit like that and just enjoy the scenery what's the can you tell us anything about like what the cover plans are yet or are you gonna hold out on that until you drop this shit because this will come out on this will come out soon i can't give away no details right all right Yo, I think it's tight. Uh, you know, I'm glad that this happened. And I got to thank my boy, Andrew Doyle, for this, who you've been running your oh, merch yeah, game yeah, through. Yeah. So Doyle is one of my best friends, man, from Iowa. We're both from Iowa originally. And he's been on the podcast early, early. He was on there and shared his story, too. So he's like, yo, you have to get Guap on the podcast. This dude is nuts, like mad talented. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I've been hearing your music for, for a minute. And I know you got a, a wild story. So I'm curious, like, when people meet you, bro, because you, you seem like you do a lot of things. How do you describe yourself to to someone who doesn't know who you are? Um, as a falcon. As a falcon. Yeah, you ever see you ever see a falcon diving for prey at forty miles per hour in, in the dead heat of an August summer day? And they get the they get the goat or whatever off the side of the cliff, or is that an eagle? It don't even matter what they get. It don't even matter where they land. They might just be practicing the dive. Mm. That's that's how it feels when you see me in person. That's the that's the description. Cool. So then, when what do people say? How do they react to it when you say that shit? Some might call it majestic. Others might call it detrimentally horny. <laughs> Others might call it a master of cuisine mm. on on the griddle, mm. 120 degrees Fahrenheit, sizzling some clams. Vibes. I uh yeah. I think I I think what's cool is that I noticed from your channel, bro. Like you, like through YouTube too, the way you attack YouTube and and your content. You put out a ton of content like you and I know, you know, I've heard passive in, interviews and shit and, and you've been on the game since like meme days and just trying to build yourself out there as like just representing yourself. You know what I mean? So when you come into this game, you realize content is so important. And obviously we're a content creator podcast. So we talk, we have creatives that are trying to create content for people like yourself. Right. So how important is content mm-hmm. into to the career that you're crafting for yourself? I mean, I always I describe myself as a content based art. Like I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't need content. I tell Wale and Bryson Tiller all the time, if you hate the internet so much, delete it <laughs> off your phone. Because all you got to do is drop a song through the system that you already a part of. And once people see new Wale, new Bryson Tiller, they going to click it. You don't even need to have fucking cover art. Right. Literally, we'll just click the shit if you're already a fan of these dudes because they exist outside of the realm of being attached to content. I, on the other hand, am the opposite because I came up and a lot of people became aware of me through the content that I was creating and I was we were putting out as a team. So I'm a content-based artist, it's everything. If I don't have content, I don't have a career. Would you prefer that? Do you feel like that's a little bit more exciting because it keeps you on your toes or do you wish it was the opposite? It's definitely for me a preference that I'll probably choose nine times out of 10, but there is that one time out of 10 where like, you know, life gets in the way and I just be like, man, I just wish I could just drop this song and a million people see it and I don't got to do yeah. nothing. And I feel like it's, it's, that's just one of the privileges I don't have as an artist. So there, there are those days, but like, I like doing cool shit. Like I'm, I'm out here in the city that I'm from right now with my photographer who from a whole different part of America. And we came out here just to take a couple of days to have a meeting of the mind. And like build something up visually, just right. getting inspired by like the surroundings. So I think that's hella dope. And I got white people to pay for that. <laughs> so like 
it ain't nothing better than that. I feel yeah. like that's a blessing in itself. I'd rather be a content-based artist than not. Yeah, I feel that. When when you talk about going back to Oakland, like you're shooting, you know, a cover art for your project, being in that area, like, is it nostalgia for you? Like, is that part of the reason why you would prefer to shoot there specifically? Like being able to go back to the to the jumpstart? Yeah, it's just there's no place like home, dog. That's period. Like I'm sure we could have got similar to the same shots in LA, but it wouldn't mean as much. And like uh as a lyricist, I often bury metaphors and information that probably nobody is gonna find out until like Drake finally drop a damn song with me or uh me and J. Cole drop a collab and then people decide to do a deep dive in between my shit and read in between the lines. Mm. Uh so I think the goal is to kind of do something like that with this cover. Like find little things that you gotta really know about Guap Dad and what those things mean to him that we decide to incorporate in the imagery. Right. And then for you, you know, having the city has this impact on you, right? Like your childhood and your upbringing. Can you kind of share a little bit about your upbringing? Like I know I know some of the later on stories, but for you early, early, like what what were you doing at an early age that brought you into music in general? Like how did you, you know, discover your inner music abilities? Uh, Me and my niggas used to just freestyle at the house. We used to have like fake rap battles. We used to walk around freestyle on the way home from school. Like I always been rapping and writing verses like my whole life just on my own accord. And, my, and the music kind of runs in my family. My uncle, um, Eddie, was a was a drummer back in his prime, and he was able to, like, go everywhere and travel with a lot of dudes. He played with Prince a couple times. Damn. Just, uh, he's a drummer and a guitarist. He played, he played a lot. And uh, my auntie Erica was in the music industry early, super early, and she was a rapper and artist. So, like, I got music kind of running my blood. Charisma hella runs in my blood. So it was just kind of like, it made sense when I really decided to make the leap and be like, damn, I want to be a rapper now, you know? Right. What age was that for you? 17, 16, mm. 17. So like in high school, do you feel like, like you, you definitely have this appeal to you, right? That people just draw to, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you stick out in the crowd, like you just have this like swagger to you that people are going to draw to, right? Did rapping allow you to kind of set yourself up in the center of the frame of school? You know what I mean? Like, did that set you up to kind of have like a bigger voice or a platform in that space to allow people to trust your ideas? I didn't come out as a full rapper. Like, I started seriously writing verses when I was 16, 17. Mm-hmm. But I didn't come out as a full rapper until I was like 18, 19. I was definitely just writing rhymes with my little brother, Jigga Juice, cooking at the crib. Were you guys recording and shit at the time too? Nah, we weren't even. We was just making videos on the fucking Logitech webcam at his dad's house on the HP. <laughs> right. Were you uh, you were posting all that shit to to whatever it was at the time, YouTube or Facebook or some shit? Nah, we were just saving it. Like you I didn't saved it. Fully publish a song until uh, I mean, actually, no, that's a lie. Cause I I was recording myself in Audacity mm-hmm. hella early on through like headphones that I had. Cause I found out just fucking around that you could fuck, plug up headphones to the microphone jack in the old in those old laptops and it'll work as as a mic right so i was recording myself and putting publishing songs on myspace early on but like i still wasn't super taking it serious even though i was writing hella verses until i was like 18 19 that's when i came out we did our first song 
I was rapping with Juice and all my niggas in the group called the YBs. Right. So even before you really released, you know, like you took it a little bit more serious, you were you were still having fun curating music and, and being able to express yourself that way. So like when you would share it to MySpace, did you ever get drawn to the attraction of uh, response? Like people being able to respond to your shit or was it just like you just posted and just kept it moving? Whoever seen it definitely showed me love because I always, I always uh, let my my character shine through. I always try to be humorous, mm-hmm. especially from females. Like I always have bitches, so they love. They always show me love. I always got one hundred percent positive response from women in my life, and I really liked attention. So that's what I was really doing it for, to showcase that I'm good at something. So then that would merit value right. and attention that's kind of what i've been doing forever yeah and i fucked with it. it it like got us really popular in high school and after were you were you doing sports too were you doing anything else besides oh music? no no sports no, no sports at all no so so when you started the yb's you know that's can you give a little bit of context to what that was for you i mean i started it it was a collective decision to start it it was me my brother darian and uh my brother skyler and we was just all kids from west oakland who lived a block away from each other in like a, a, a four block radius and uh it just kind of became a thing man we were we were like the kids that wasn't like the the weirdo like we weren't the weenie hut juniors but we weren't like on our way to the fucking salty splatoon at the same time you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it was we were like the it's in this weird gray area to where like we didn't want to be street niggas, but we was hood niggas just trying to figure it out, trying to get into fashion, trying to get into girls, get into event throwing and designing clothes and art, the whole shit. Who were your inspirations at that time? Like if that was like kind of your goal, you saw that as a goal, who, who was inspiring you? Uh, I always loved, well, Mac Dre's the god out here. So it's Mac Dre, totally. And if you ever look at my formula and you study the Guap Dad business plan, I take a lot from Mac Drake because he was personality driven and he was also content based. Like every, all his videos is promoted. Man even had his own fucking DVD series way early on called Trill TV. And it was it was crazy. It was crazy. He was selling music off his personality. So he was one. Kanye West, I, I was a huge Kanye West, but Stan fanatic, die hard. But him, everything he was doing was God level. Right. And other than that, I was just a normal consumer of everything else like Wiz at the time was a super big inspiration for us Big Sean I was super early on him and I loved Big Sean still do shout out Sean so you were were you were you draw like you know especially with Wiz and Sean like at the time and even you talking about the DVDs like as a consumer and you're inspired by these people you're looking at like what they're like I, I was I paid very close attention to Wiz and Sean too from from Iowa because I'm like man I want to be able to create content like this and I want to be able to tell these people's stories someday right so yeah. you're watching day-to-day Wiz videos, the behind-the-scenes like recaps that Sean, yep. Mike Carson, and all them would put together. So yep. when you're watching that shit, is that starting to build a strategy? Like you guys end up going and throwing parties, right? Like as a group, you guys start mm-hmm. like thinking like, yo, we need to put together yeah. events. People want to go to events. Exactly. So we had teamed up. We actually got reached out to by a party promotion company at the time who was on the come up and it was these dudes from North Oakland. And they was like, yo, there's this Project X party. We've been throwing parties downtown. We got a permit for this big venue. We want y'all to be the face of it because we're older frat boys and like y'all young pretty boys. And y'all and we were the most internet famous people at the time. By the time we started doing the parties because of Tumblr, 
and Facebook, just throwing up pictures, making funny, doing skits, mm. posting the clothes, selling them, hosting fucking Tumblr meet and greets, meetups, shit like that. It was like, of course, we were the ones. All to, in Oakland. Like you were yeah. curating, con- like to sp- like get people mm-hmm. to come out in Oakland. Damn, all right. Yeah. And I watched them niggas count up 60,000 at the end of that night, and we was only getting 25%. So I was like, hey, uh, on the next party, we, y'all going to teach us the whole fucking business. We're going to work with y'all on the back end and put into, but we want 50%. Right. Period. That, so that what? Then did you guys just start working with them closely or did you start hosting your own events? We started working with them because we partnering up because by the first event, the scale was so big that we needed a partner. Mm-hmm. We needed a partner because the overhead was like 20,000, 30,000 an event. Right. Because we're, I'm talking about packing out warehouses, dog. At, For a frat party? Yes. I mean, it wasn't a frat party. The, the, the name of the promotion group was Frat House Boys, but none of these niggas went to college. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is a legit show or party. Like, was it yeah, like, a, was there a concert element to it then too? Or was yeah, it? Yeah, we, we would bring, I mean, it got so big that local rappers would beg to perform. Oh, I believe it. Beg to perform. And uh, we do everything. The content that we was producing from that was the party recap. Like, we were super early on party recaps. Niggas weren't even doing this at the time, at least on the, on the West Coast party scene. I can say this from fucking Arizona up to Washington. Mm. Niggas was not putting out, like, super detailed, edited videos of their events at all. So we put it out put the details in big bold letters like a fucking monster truck show yeah <laughs> and advertise the next one and, and as soon as we the video would end it would end on the flyer for the next party and the date oh damn so this became like super reoccurring for you guys uh-huh we did it four times before op oakland police department started exploiting us yeah they shut the point, that shit down uh, yeah it, literally they didn't even shut it down they just was demanding too much money and we just decided to fold on them. Damn. A party permit for a crowd expectancy of over 1,200 people is only $350. And we was paying, paying $12,000 by the last event. God so like, damn. It was literally like exploitation. So so were you, at that time, how old were you when this shit was going down? In between, in high school? From 19 to 22. So you guys are doing have an operation like a three year run. Yeah, for three years you're bringing in thousands of dollars. You know what I mean? Was that your first time like making real money doing that type of shit? Hell yeah! Just before I started scamming and shit too. So like this was, I didn't know what to do with that bread. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> but but it sounded like you guys were reinvesting. Like you seem to have known known that it was important. It cost you money to throw a party, right? So yeah. so you all are making the right decision for that. But what else were you doing with the bread, like? I How mean, you- I had a whole household to run because uh, both my parents was in jail. Okay. Uh, my mama was doing time in Rikers and my pops was over here in Santa Rita. Damn. Um, and my grandma was in and out because she had breast cancer. So she was like running away from like re- uh, accepting that she had it. And then when she got, before she got sick, she was like uh, back and forth from Arizona. And I had my little sister in the house. So I was taking care of my little sister, my little brother. And the mortgage on his house. Damn. With all the bills. So, like, that's where all my money was going to. Right. And that and that kind of creates demand to make sure the shit works. So, I feel like that's got to be a, a, a tough blow when they, you know, they shut it down. Like, you know, you decide to fold on it because 
that's your fucking income, right? So when mm. that happens, I mean, you got all these, you got mouths to feed and you got to try to keep the house open. So what, how did you position yourself there to say like, all right, what's the next step? Cause you don't want to not make that money. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a gamble because we had some that flopped and some that went over the top. I think it's just like anything. You kind of got to, you know, put all your ducats in order and hope that the shit hits. But right. like, you got to come correct. So, yeah. So you decide, you know, at that point, when you were doing those events outside of making these recaps and also who was shooting the recap videos? We had different, we had different photographers from the Bay. I forgot the two dudes' names, but it was two dudes who we went to. Well, it's not have been I that good. His name. I haven't, it's been like eight years, but he was, yeah. we met him on Facebook and uh, because I remember I didn't like the, the first video that they did. I didn't, I hated it. Mm. And I found some dude on Facebook and I, I linked him with the dude, uh, Jay Mall. And at Jay Mall's house, they had uh, hella computers and shit set up. They had like all this shit going on. So like, if you did content, you could just go over there and have access to like a full editing lab. Right. That's so fire. he was over there and, and turning out videos like crazy. So then you guys position yourselves almost like the production company that made sure the event recaps happened. But were you also like on stage and having a stage presence at that time? Yep. You were? Yep, yep. So you we, guys performed. And, and we put that we in the content. So we made sure the party was the brand. Mm-hmm. We are the face of that. So in the middle of the video, the background music cuts out. Our song plays. You see us performing it. Song goes off. You still see us interacting in the crowd, dancing, throwing money on hoes, like on a mechanical bull, bitch right. pulling titties out. It was just <laughs> all marketing, making us yeah, like use it as a catapult, you know, like yeah. a springboard. No, nah, that's smart as fuck. I mean, so at the time, what it, what's the reception for you? Like, how do you, how is this making you feel? Especially like when you lose these events mm-hmm. um, and you're starting to establish yourself as a squad, you know what I mean? Like I, was it from from that point you you established yourself as a squad, right? But mm-hmm. did you ever establish yourself personally? Like were all three of you guys kind of building your own personal brand? You know what I mean? Like instead of it yeah, just being I the mean, group? It, it would happen like that later on. I mean, because we were all rapping at a group and we, it, we never like fell out over no crazy group money shit. We had arguments, disagreements, and some people made more money than others because they had more to put in at the time or they was doing more shit or, you know. Right. It was it was little it was little shit, but we never like had a falling out. It was basically like people started getting older and life started affecting us. And once the parties and the money slowed down, motherfuckers decided that that's not what they wanted to do. Hmm. So then that's where the individual brands came from, because whoever still wanted to do it had a chance to do it. I stayed rapping. My little brother, Jigajoo, stayed rapping. Darian, he ended up becoming a food critic. A food critic. Yeah, he's one of the biggest in Northern California. I'd probably say California, period. Damn, that's fire. So you probably get a little bit more um, treatment when you pull up on a restaurant with him. With him? Yeah, with him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, they they do everything short of just actually suck my dick if I walk in there with him. <laughs> Goddamn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so you just, you know, you you keep putting in the work. So at the time, at that point, you still hadn't released your own music yet. It was just like a really about these parties or after the parties collapsed. Is that when you started releasing, you know, under yeah, towards the end of it? We got such a tight friendship. Niggas pulled me to the side and was like, hey, man, we damn near just finna focus on you. Mm. It's you like you that the tightest one, obviously you the most dedicated. 
like uh, we don't really want to do this shit no more it's not even really working but it could work for you damn yeah that's crazy to think uh that's a blessing bro to have people like that around you i mean still to this oh, day no, trust like my niggas was still giving me rides to the studio we was recording in hayward at the time at like this fucking in this like piece of shit ass parking lot but we was recording with two lovely dudes at the studio on his name dream kings and they had like a tight ass setup in this weird ass parking lot and we would just go in and record inside this fucking storage unit that they built out to be a studio they would Damn. give me rides there if even if i ain't had gas money niggas to drop me off help pay for the studio time it was like that for a while that's fucking dope man so yeah. where were you you know when are you just going to the studio and trying to like develop your craft? Are you just trying to get ideas out? You're just making records? Are you dropping records right away? Or are you just kind of experimenting in the studio for a minute? I was really just developing, man. It was a combination of all of those things when you develop. It. And I'm talking like early development, just trying to figure out how to rap. Mm-hmm. I always had a knack for it and I always been clever, but like early, especially when you somebody like me who was rapping and producing, and making my cover art and styling the video, doing the art direction, help co-directing the shit. Right. Like all your music, all my early music just sound like a nigga who was just trying to be too creative. And at the time it didn't register like that. But to me, that's what I needed to go through to be able to dial back. I, I had to like fucking creatively jack off before you could be like, <laughs> think with your now sober creative mind you know what i'm saying yeah it's like, it's like a, a a lens that you gotta peer past and be like okay well that only worked when kanye did it because this specific moment i shouldn't be trying to do that in every song mm-hmm. Pharrell does this in every song but it only works when you do it in this you know what i'm saying like yeah. you gotta somebody who's so easily inspired like me like you gotta work past that and learn how to minimalize it so it's digestible and right. I'm still I'm still doing that to this day. Like, I, luckily, I was able to do it so drastically in a way by the time I was going through my second development stage when I moved to L.A. that it was digestible enough so people could consider me and like me a new artist and I became a buzz. But it's still right. something that I do to this day. Yeah. Only trying to learn how to scale back. Right. So like student of the game mentality, like you're just always going to keep developing. Obviously, like no one's perfect. They never hit the limit and then stay the same. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Jay's not Jay's always going to evolve. Right. Like so yep. before you moved to L.A., you know how you talked about having like this momentum on Tumblr and shit. And you, you kind of were cracking the code there and, and finding ways to be viral. When you start to be this solo artist, what were you doing for content at that time? Like what kind of content you said you were directing and making your own videos and thinking of the photo yeah. shoots? What, what was that for you? For me, it was, I was trying to paint the picture that I was a serious artist mm-hmm. and I was a serious solo act. So for me, I, I just used to black, like I found I needed a videographer because we always had a cameraman and I would take our own pictures and shit, but I needed somebody to shoot and edit a video. I just didn't have the capacity to do it right? or, or, or like the resources. So I found this dude named Chris Simmons and, um, I, t- I remember I took my girlfriend at the time car, put my last $20 in there, drove it all the way from Oakland to Fremont to meet this nigga at Starbucks. And I was like, look, man, I, this is all the cover art for every fucking song I want to drop this year. It was the year was 2013, too. I'm like, bro, I got the whole year planned out. This is my 10 songs I want to drop this year. This is the cover art. 
here's what I'm thinking for the videos. Like I got all this momentum on Tumblr. I understand what's like aesthetically tight right now. I need help coming to life and I can only pay for one video. I know your fee is six fifty. I got $350 right now. Fuck with me. And he was like, man, I ain't gonna lie. I'm fucking with you. And we shot my first solo music video for a song I had called Bang. And it was uh, it was probably one of my the best experiences I could have had early on because I learned how stressful it is putting on a whole fucking video production in West Oakland, casting girls, styling, like the whole thing. I styled the whole video. I casted all the girls. I came up with the aesthetic, scouted yeah. the locations, did the whole shit, like produced the whole thing. Chris Simmons directed it. And uh, because I didn't have enough money to pay for all 10 music videos, we shot three and just kind of grew on each other. And each one, I just try to like get all my fucking creative ideas out, whether they, some of them ended up growing to be corny and some of them end up are still tight. Right. It was just like, uh, I just had to get, stick my neck out there and start doing it. That's why I think clicks for some people, right? Like I think there's an advantage there when the artist cares so much for the full package. Like you understand that, you're not just getting handed all this shit. Like a lot of people at that time, especially back in 2013, bro, you signed you signed to a major and they come pamper you with all this shit. But mm-hmm. ooh, back then I would be set. You know what I mean? Like that's 2013, I would be set. That's what you hope for, right? <laughs> but you you can't just you can't just get that shit overnight. So you had to build it yourself. So you're you're learning all these different uh uh paths and and all these different op, like things that come inside and ride parallel with you as the artist. And it's necessary to understand that shit so that you can excel the way you did. And I feel like that's probably what clicked for Chris, is that he sees your passion, how much you care about the content, how, how you know you need this content, right? Which made mm-hmm. him vibe with you that way, which I think mm-hmm. is incredible, right? So, I don't know. I, I applaud you for thinking like that. Nah, and to like, uh, thank you for, for those flowers. And, and to build on that, it made establish a relationship that's permanent, because I just shot a video with Chris yesterday. Chris has shot... All I've given, every time I got a big budget, I give it to Chris. Right. So it came full circle for him. So, and what I actually realized yesterday and spoke out loud for the first time was Chris was my first official music industry relationship. Mm. Seven years ago. We seven years strong, still shooting. That's crazy. That's fire. Because he he, he did the alpha video. Did he do that one? Uh Uh-huh. So he did Alpha, he did Little Scammer, he did um First Things First with G Easy, he did Scam Boy. Yeah, because like he and I saw that he's with Vinny Hobbs, he's on his post team, right? So he's connected. Yep, I mean, so, post. so like having someone like that, I'm assuming he wasn't with Vinny back then, right? Nope. Yeah, you know nope. I mean you guys are both growing together. Yeah. I would come out, he was living with uh his cousin is the photographer, Eris Jerome, and he was living with Eris in LA in like a fucking one bedroom studio and they had turned the closet into a bedroom, the living room into a bedroom. Mm. The fucking bathroom had like a little extra room next to it. And that was just, they put a bed in there and I would crash in there with all three of these niggas on the air mattress in the kitchen. Fuck. So you, you put out these videos that, you know, you put all your hard effort into what's, what's the reaction? How shit changed for you right in those moments? Like, is it, is is it a slow climb or did you see an instant reaction? You know, it was a slow climb. I I definitely, my whole career been a slow climb when it came to the music, because I never made what 
what people liked. I always made what I like. And it's easy to fall in the pitfall to where like you, it's hard to develop because like you get so caught up in what you like. But I feel like with my mindset that I got trying to scale back, it's been, I've been seeing steady growth since then, but it was always a slow climb. Like, but it's funny. I got fans that I established from them first early days that are still fans now that still show up to shows, bring me gifts, buy the merch. Like everybody who was a fan in my early days is still a fan of Guap Dad 4000. Right. It wasn't like a trend, like, uh, like, you know how a lot of these people hit that, like college, whatever the market is. And then those motherfuckers grow up and get real jobs and dip. That's a one right there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy for the slow grind and it's, it's a road that I prefer to take anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, you talk about having to support so many people at that time and, and with your parents gone and you got, you said your sister, I think, uh, and your grandma, it's like, you're doing all that mm-hmm. shit. And those, those early, uh, parties that you were throwing, those fall off and you're doing this part, which I understand the struggling artist mentality and the efforts that come into it and having to support yourself during that time. Like, did you have any other jobs and shit while you were doing this? Like you were, you were able to pay us got $350 for three music videos. Yeah. I, that was just off like money that I was getting from hoes or whoever was around or if any any of my partners wanted to help pitch in and make it work. I got hired at Pete's Coffee because my girlfriend was working at Pete's Coffee. But literally the day I was supposed to start, so one of her coworkers told the manager I was her boyfriend. So I didn't even get to put my apron on. Damn, <laughs> I just, they had to let I you go because that? I my bitch got off work and then we went home and she gave me some sympathy head. <laughs> and then I wouldn't try to uh, apply for another job for maybe like uh, six, seven months. My brother D was working at Wells Fargo, but D always had jobs. Mm-hmm. So he was working. He went from BB to Wells Fargo. And I met the nigga that hired him because we was there the night that he came in to shop with D at BB for his wife or whoever the fuck this nigga was buying his dresses for. <laughs> Still to this day, that purchase was questionable as hell. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. I had reached out to him like, hey, man, I think I want a job. And he was like, all right, if you're serious, come on. And he brought me through the whole hiring process at Wells Fargo just to get me into the branch. The day of the in-branch interview, which is like the third or fourth interview that you got to fucking go to, right? Just to get hired. I'm in there. I think I killed it. I'm like, what? I'm texting my bitch like, hey, I just smashed it. Everybody loves me. I'm the best thing in the world. <laughs> he called me in the office and he said, yeah, he don't want to hire you. You flopped the interview. Damn. And I was like, what, what do you mean I flopped the interview? I thought I killed it. Right. He was like, well, you did, but you still count as a flop because you see her right there. She interviewed before you and it don't matter nothing that you could have said she got two degrees she just graduated with the second one damn so it don't matter what you said you flopped but i'm finna make him hire you because you know me so did you get the job yeah no i was working at the bank and but even working at the bank i felt weird after that day because i'm like damn it is 100 percent who you know Mm-hmm. This bitch, oh, whoever she went to school with, hundreds of thousands of dollars for two degrees. Her student loans through the motherfucking roof. And I just 
got in just because I know this nigga. Right. I don't even know him like that. <laughs> we, wasn't even, we weren't that cool. Yeah, he was just a third party conduit to get right. me in the show. And I got fired from there. <laughs> because what? Just because shitty work, whatever? No, I gave him my all. I was yeah. never late. I I had best dresses, suits. Like, I was killing it. I was killing it. I, I was learning fast. But it was a lot to take in because it was such a high performing branch, right? It was so much to take in. I just, uh, I left my drawer unlocked and one of my coworkers, and I found out who it was later, took a bag, like like the Starbucks across the street from my branch would drop off just bags of money and then mm-hmm. you put it, count it later. Right. You put it in your, in your safe, you count it later, do the whole shit. That's how the bags work. This bitch was leaving and I, I always wondered why she was hovering around me hella. She was leaving to go to another job at the post office in Alaska or some shit, Nebraska, wherever the fuck she was going. And uh, she took a bag out of my shit, so I was missing $3,000, and I had to get fired for it. Damn, that's fucked up. Yep. Damn. But after that, the nigga never worked again, and that's when I really just dedicated 100% to the craft because I just knew I tried twice. And the universe just wasn't letting me work a job. I didn't even do nothing. You know how bad I want to steal money from that bank? Right. Every day. Yeah. I had a little plot in my notes on how to rob that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I was plotting. And I really gave a positive 100% wholehearted effort for months and still got fired. So I was like, nah, man, something. I'm finna really try music. Yo, so what, you know, how you, you, you realize like it's about who you know. How did you apply that to your networking ability as you started to pursue music more serious? Man, that really clicked on. I remember I had a talk with my mom and she told me like, maybe I should get another job. And she didn't want to say it because it hurt my feelings, but like we needed the money. So she had to say it. I was scamming at the time, but I was down, down thousands, thousands. And I'm like, man, I'm fucking broke. I was just up thousands. Now I'm down thousands. This shit is not cool. I'm in my room. I'm fucking depressed. I'm crying. I'm like, I finna just move to LA. I'ma call this fat nigga because last time I talked to him, he had this white boy who was tucking black tank tops in, in behind the LRG belt. And now I see him and he fucking, he got a, a, a wall full of fresh white forces and he doing all these streams and he got all these songs and shit. And that's exactly what they told me that they was finna do like eight months ago. That's a man with a game plan. That's a nigga with some knowledge. I'm finna go tap in with him. And I reached out like, yo, I want you to manage me. And I'm serious about being an artist. I see everything that you told me you was finna do with Young Pinch, you did. I see that, I seen it. What, what do I gotta do? And he was like, man, the last time I talked to you, you and Jigga Juice came to my studio, ordered filet mignon and twin lobster tails to it, popped bottles of Ace of Spades, Ruined a piece of my carpet and literally fucked hoes in the studio. <laughs> how do I know you serious? Like, how do I know you're not just down right now, but like I open my door to you, you come out here and be right back on the same shit. I said, man, you don't. But I ain't got a dollar to my name right now. I got a way to get to L.A. Fuck with me. Mm. And he was like, man, I'm on tour right now. Pinch was on tour with uh. Black Bear at the time, I think, or was it another tour? I, I'm I'm not sure what tour it was, but he was like, I'm on tour right now. If you could get to L.A. today, 
Because I called him at like 6 o'clock in the morning. That's how you know a nigga was down bad. When you up at 6 crying, yeah, right. you down bad. Yeah. I called, and he's like, you get to L.A. today. I'll give you the lock, keys to the lockbox uh, to my studio. I'll send you some money for Little Caesars. Get a pizza. It's an engineer that's already sleeping in there. Tell him to scoot over, and when he wake up, make some music. Damn. So that's what I did. Same day. You went down by yourself? Mm-hmm, dolo. So I didn't pack a suitcase yet. So you just hop in the studio and you crash at the studio with this random engineer that's in there? Yeah, he would eventually get kicked out because he was kind of weird. But he was the first engineer that I ever was just like in close quarters with making music. And I kind of learned how to record through him. And uh, it was kind of on from there. I stayed in that. St- I-, I was living in that studio for like six to eight months. Mm-hmm before I got an apartment in North Hollywood. And then that's when I officially moved, moved. Like I was, I had already made the move. Like I wasn't coming back home. I went back after a couple of weeks, packed my suitcase, came back with all my clothes and just was living out my suitcase in the studio. Damn. And, and then at what point did you end up signing to the management? Was that right away? Nuh-uh. He wasn't sure what to do with me at first because like we had this long plan about development for like a year or two and figuring it out. But I kept going viral because I went to L.A. with 24K followers. Mm -hmm. And after my first birthday, I went viral. I learned from my mistakes. I didn't say my fucking name in the video. So everybody just knew the video as the birthday video, but they didn't know who it was. So the second time that I went viral... I started introducing all my videos like, hey, I'm going up to have 4,000 and blah, 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 blah. Insert topic of whatever content. And that shit started going viral. So one day I woke up and I was like, I'm 80,000 followers up. Damn, I'm almost at 100K. What the fuck? Right. And I'm hitting him and he hit me and we were just like the whole game plan chain. But we still didn't lock in anything official with management just because, for one, because he white, I didn't trust him with paperwork mm. until I had like, I just didn't trust him or trust it. I didn't know what to trust or believe. I didn't know how anything worked. Yeah. It was, it was like, I was hella naive. Were you holding out to learn? Like you wanted to take the time to learn or you just wanted to wait till you could find someone else you, you really trusted to be able to help you navigate this shit. Both. 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 Right. I needed, I needed, I needed help navigating through the sauce for sure. Mm-hmm. But like, Sauce navigation, I'm still inputting all the directions. I'm remembering every turn for the most part, just on how that shit works. Cause I don't know, like it, in my mind, it's still like the fucking uh, Michael Jackson movie where one day like uh, Quincy Jones come down from heaven with $6 million and change your life and give you a Ferrari and like your mama could all of a sudden uh, beat cancer or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the magic myth of Hollywood creating stars. I still thought it was that. I didn't know who had that access. I didn't know where that button was, but I wanted somebody to push it. Yeah, right. And then I, I, I met other artists. I'd seen other people with deals. I started asking questions to people who were already successful that I had relationships with about things that I would never ask questions about, like publishing, management, PR, entertainment lawyers, business lawyer shit like that and then right. i started noticing all these categories and realizing that the tears to the industry and like what is actually what damn that's fucking so is this 
Is this the same dude, Sam, that I spoke with to get this mm-hmm, interview going? Mm-hmm, All right. Yeah. So you so you end up do having him become your manager at a certain point, right? Yeah, halfway into me living at, at at that at that apartment, that's how I was paying my rent. Was what was with the fucking advance that that he gave me to sign to his management, and at the same time, I was building out my social media platform via Twitter and Instagram to make it profitable. So I started doing promos, but my promos all involved my signature. Hey, it's Guap Dad. I just wasn't posting. Like you couldn't post me to just post up a picture of a water bottle. Right. I had to physically be drinking the water and being like, what's up is Guap Dad. I only drink this water because it's the coolest fucking water out. And if you don't drink this water, you a stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody want to be a stupid bitch. All right. So they j- promos worked great. And that's how I was able to pay my rent after that advance ran out. Ran out. So you just started leaning into the brand deals. The music wasn't making you money yet. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Music didn't make me money till shit, nigga, last year. Was when it I last year? Yeah, that's when I made my first honest rap dollar. Damn. That's a <laughs> grind, bro, from fucking all the way back in early 2012, 13, whatever, all mm-hmm. the way to now. And you always seem focused on the end goal. Like you knew, obviously you knew that this shit was going to work. There was always like little small tales that were hidden mm-hmm. in it that you kind of caught on to. But when you say going viral for you, how did you tap into that? Because I feel like a lot of people are always like trying, that's always the goal. Every brand spends fucking hundreds of millions of dollars trying to figure out how to go viral. And here you are being able to figure out how to do it quite often. What was, you know, kind of your strategy behind that shit? Man, I'm the strategy. It's me. It's not nothing else. That's the only way I can even express the concept of virality is when you see something that is so radically charismatic or individualized that you have to engage in that content, Mm. right? And I'm a person whose personality is already that. So people love to engage with me, and I engage back. It's it's never like putting – I'm already putting myself on the platform by making the content. So like me being in the comments, responding to things, tweets and shit like that always helped too. But it was me. The reason why those brands can't figure out is because one, they, they ain't hiring me. And two, <laughs> they not thinking like me. They It's not formulaic. Right. Like there's a formula. Remember we was talking about check crossing all the boxes. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a formula. Like if you have this, 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 and this. Like if you got a nice car, bitches, money, and somebody who looks clouded up, now you got all the things to make somebody look at that, right? But like, you can't control what that person says or does and how right. people perceive it. Right, and, and you're also in tune with life. Like you're paying attention to the culture of the internet and being able, you've been paying attention to that shit from the jump, right? Like yeah, understanding how it works, understanding how you want to communicate and what your messaging is and how to be able to lean into social topics and shit is is a key to that, which is crazy because I like that's that's a full time job, but you're also developing yourself as like a very talented musician. You know what I mean? And you said you learned how to record watching that engineer. So did you start recording yourself once homie got kicked out of the spot? Yeah, I was recording myself forever until we Sam brought in a new engineer named James Delgado. Uh, I was just recording myself living in the studio. I was living in there, so like. Right. Who can you call, especially like for a nigga with no clout? 
or no actual records. It's not like you could just call a random engineer off Instagram like, hey, you want to come record me for absolutely free as soon as I wake up at three o'clock in the morning? Right. And it was also a hygiene thing. Like sometimes I trap it out. Like I'd be so excited to make music. Nigga ain't take a shower in two days. Right. I always had access to one. <laughs> but it was just like, fuck it. I want to stay in here. I don't yeah. want to go nowhere. Right. Yeah. You know, you're getting these brand deals. You're starting to see real revenue start to come in. Are you doubling down on that and trying to just be able to maximize that? Or what was your guys' strategy? Because you you make it sound like you and Sam were trying to figure out, like, what is the code we're trying to crack? You know what I mean? Like, once you decided yeah. that, like, you guys want to lean into each other, you, you made your deal with each other. What was some of that, that you, you know, first steps that you took forward? And, and allowing it to not water down... Cause I feel like maybe it's, are you ever nervous? Like at that time being a viral sensation is that, can that hurt the way people listen to your music? You know what I mean? Do people have confliction with that? Yeah. I mean, and I feel like it definitely did, especially early on, like still to this day, I might see a couple of tweets or like comments, but that's just be a lack of exposure to that person. And they're only going to relate you to whatever the fuck they seen you doing first. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, we purposely said no to hella shit. I said no to different TV shows, content opportunities. It was it was a, a lot of early on curation on what we saying yes and no to. Just how did you, in general. How did you and decide? That was a, it, it was just some things were just too content leaning, and we wanted to make sure that people knew that I was a rapper. Mm. And I have this duality of a personality and a recording artist. So anytime something became 60, 40 and not 50, 50, we would pull back. Right. And say, oh, no, this this seems too whimsical, too comedic. And it's not tied to any music. We're not going to do that TV show. No love and hip hop. We're not going to. I don't want to get on there. It's too early anyway. I understand that I'm fucking all these bitches but like no not right it was just like left and no telling people no yeah yeah and then and then for you musically you know you said last year was when you first made your first rap dollar what what was like the first time you really actually made money doing music i mean i said last year was the first time i made my first rap dollar because it last year is when like the checks started getting bigger enough for me to like lit a uh, really afford the lifestyle that I, that I like to live. Right. And like not be in the fucking red all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's the lifestyle of a rapper, especially an independent one. Right. Like making your profit and then 90% of your profit go back into the next venture. So last year was the first year where I could really start having a little bit of wiggle room. And uh, this year definitely was fucking bullshit, but I still, I still am able, you know, my management and my team has been able to back me up to, to the point to where like my brand is profitable now. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's just, it took a while. It took, it took hella long. Yeah. And when you're talking about going in the red, like for you, I mean, this is where your investment is going to be in the media, the content that you're curating, the music videos, the studio sessions, um, mm -hmm. having to pay for whatever it is that comes with that shit, engineer time, all that stuff that comes with this. You're you're always paying out 
um, before you see the return. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Yeah, man, you paying out forever. You paying out until you can't pay out, and then you got to find somebody else to pay out on your <laughs> behalf. Right. Did you take investment? Have you taken investment to do this type of shit? I mean, shit, outside of just from my management, I've been smart on saying no to a lot of people because just coming from uh, previous activities I, I was allegedly involved in, it was a lot of capital that I could have pulled from mm-hmm. if I would have chosen that. Allegedly. <laughs> right. um, allegedly. But, yeah, it was just like management or brands. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. I only want to owe one. And that's a, one of the big reasons why I didn't sign a deal hella early on. Cause like I seen through the facade, like I seen through the chains and the diamonds and shit. And it was like, damn, ain't none of that shit y'all's. Right. Like you just spent 40,000, 50,000 on jewelry to try to keep up with the Atlanta niggas. And the whole time your career is not even on the coast to be fed like the Atlanta niggas is. And you did that with borrowed money. Right. So even though you now own the chain because you took somebody else's money and bought that from somebody else and it's yours and they got paid out, you still are in debt. Right. So in my mind, nigga, the, the, the old white nigga who told you that your song was, was full of drip uh, on your chain, not you. Mm. And that's some bitch ass nigga shit to me. That's 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 some Weenie Hut Junior lifestyle shit. <laughs> I'm not fucking with that. And you, I mean, how are you learning? How are you learning to understand that? You know what I mean? Because it's it's trial and error for everybody, right? And so yeah. that person may make the mistake to to buy the 50k chain, and you seem to have understood like, all right, cool, I could have done that, or I could bite my tongue and and save that for later. But instead, spend this 50k on videos, photo shoots, merch, pull, you know, buying merch by the bulk, all that shit that's going to help me turn profit, go on tour. You know what I mean? Like, like there's so much more I mean, to for one good management, a lot of YouTube interviews, good business management. I got a business manager who, who helps check me on a lot of, a lot of different things. And so, I'm a Nipsey hustle fan. Mm. <laughs> right. And they could talk about that from the gate. Like, yeah, it's little tidbits. All you need to do is, when you're consuming media and you're trying to learn, you got a general goal in mind. You hear one thing, you hear Nipsey Hussle talk about owning your masters, right? royalties. And you don't really know what the fuck he's talking about, but you know it's like some independent ass shit, right? Yeah. And then you get into this meeting and y'all start discussing terms or you talk to your lawyer and he's saying terms and then it clicks and you're like, oh, that's what the fuck Nick was talking about. Mm. That's what the fuck that random guy on that YouTube ad was saying, even though I didn't click to buy his book. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the fuck it was. It's just right. constant, constantly absorbing shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, that's really how I learned. I'm, I'm a visual learner, so I need to watch something. I need to see it. No, that's incredible. And, and that is important too, because if you really look at, you know, especially right now, your, your moneymaker should be being on the road. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's where you're going to capitalize the most. Everyone knows that as soon as fucking music streaming started, like, they're like, oh, artists make their money on the road. And then now you can't do that shit for who knows how long. You know what I mean? Unless you're in a fucking corny ass drive through. So yeah. with that being said, 
you know, that's your option to make money. You rely on your, your streaming revenue and merch and whatever else you're going to make from YouTube and shit like that. So for you, you know, I just looked, you were, you're getting like a one and a half million streams per month or whatever on Spotify alone mm-hmm. or some shit booming. Yeah. It's probably still growing. So it's like with that, that money can come to you and your team versus uh, coming to you and your team after it went through a fucking farm of people that didn't need to yeah. collect that check. You know what I mean? So how important is that, you know, being able to have that right now during this time? You know what I mean? You still got people on your team that you got to feed and, and your management depends yeah. on you and shit. So it's crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's everything because, I mean, honestly, if I didn't have, like, my team to fall back on, then I wouldn't have myself. You know what I'm saying? It wouldn't be swapped out as a brand to fall back on. So anything that makes it just more accessible but a team to pull from is is amazing. And we also get to do like cool ass deals that other people don't get to do because I didn't lock into some crazy shit hella early on and just oh one old ass white dude like this crazy lump sum of money. Right. I only owe old ass white dudes a little. <laughs> Either way, you got to owe old ass white dudes though. Yeah, there's um, no way around it. Right. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. And I, I mean, I think Kanye having gone so nuts on Twitter, ex- exposing a lot of this shit. You know what I mean? Sharing his contracts publicly, he was trying to to make people understand how fucked the industry is right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to have leaders like that, and and for you to be. I mean, also, bro, you're a mentor too, right? Like you got people who look up to you, artists that you're having conversations with that might even be bigger than you, quote unquote, but you're still able to understand at an early age and, and early into your career what's happening in this shit. And you might be able to put other people onto it and save some other people's careers before they fuck up and make these crazy mistakes. Yeah. I try to be as vocal as possible. I'm still learning. I obviously don't know every fucking in and out cracker crevice. You know what I'm saying? But like, I know enough to at least speak for myself and how we rocking. And I feel like that's all niggas need to hear sometimes, though. It's just like, what's really going on? I do a lot to try to remove the fucking veil of just like, man, if you're a rapper, you're supposed to have like seven Lamborghinis and an uh, indoor pool and an outdoor pool. Everybody ain't living like Ray J at the, at the, uh, the Money Team Estate. <laughs> right, for real. Oh, man, it'd be nice, but goddamn. It's uh. Yeah. There's other shit to pay for. When you, you know, as you continue to grow and you start experimenting with your music, you're in LA. Obviously, this is the 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 space to come and connect with people, right? So you're starting to build more uh, connections in the industry. Who were some of the first artists that you were connecting with? Obviously, I'm sure you looked up to many of them, but who are some of the artists you were looking up to that you were able to connect to that were able to help you out in your career, bumping you up and, and putting game on for you and so on? Man, in terms of like educating me, mm-hmm. uh, T.I. and Wale reached out really early on to just, like, sit and meet with me and be, like, the big brother figures. Terrace Martin as well, legend. But I learned a lot by working with with the niggas my age. Buddy was the first artist to ever put me on a project. Mm. Damn. And we was barely friends. He only met me once at a festival on his birthday. And because we both was drunk with Hennessy bottles. We got drunk together. It was friends ever since. I literally pulled up on the studio, uh, on him on the studio that night, and we made the song Shameless that he put on his album. Damn, that's crazy. Instantly. And we was instant best friends. I'm, I'm friends with Buddy to this day. He met my mama. He been in my house in West Oakland, but we lost it. Met my dad. We Last year, we spent uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas 
we went over with his family and I brought my family with me. That's so dope. like that was the first artist to ever fuck with me. And I'm forever grateful for that. Uh, and I learned a lot from him because he's somebody who's been in the industry since he was young. He was the last artist signed Star Trek. Right. He, so he came up under Pharrell. He was able to learn music through Pharrell, which is somebody that I super look up to. So he was almost like my Pharrell conduit. Like I mm-hmm. was able to get absorb that knowledge that he learned and apply that shit to me at the same time while working on my own formula. Right. And I mean, I feel like a majority of the time, like in your studio sessions, how much of it is even just having conversations, like being able to have like these long conversations with other artists who, like you said, you're being able to give tap into Pharrell's brain without him being in the room because this person's put that experience in. That's like so crucial to divvy that shit out. Right. Mm -hmm. It was, um, it was literally, it's all the time. It still happens all the time. You never know, especially like, I don't like to use, I want to use the term real musician. I make a lot of honest music and uh, that, that leads to a lot of honest conversations, especially when other artists, bright minds, creative people are in a room, real shit hit niggas the real way. And that leads to real talk. Right, right, right. That's fire. What's the pressure in creating your first album? You know what I mean? You've been doing all kinds of different shit and building your exposure this way. And now you got to put it all, all the energy into one cohesive project. So like, how did that, and it's funny because it goes into, it's the year, you know, it's the year before we ran into this shit. So you're putting this whole piece together. What was the pressure for you? It was, uh, my, it's crazy because my first actual project, Scamboy Color, I didn't feel any pressure. I was just excited to get the shit out. Like it was just, I wanted to get it out. Dior Deposits, I felt a lot more pressure because especially with it being like my debut and I got all these features from all these fucking famous people. Mm-hmm. Like so many fucking superstars on that album. Fucking G-Eazy, Black, Chance to... Like I got some of the biggest niggas in the world on Dior Deposits. Tory right. Lanez, pre-Megan Footshot. So like <laughs> peak Tory Lanez. Nigga, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Like that's that's literally... For like somebody's sophomore rollout, like but freshman attempt, but it's like my sophomore project because it's my second body of work that I'm putting out. Mm-hmm. It's like my freshman album. It was a lot of pressure behind that. And um I do I, I treat pressure like trauma. Cause I'm from the I'm from the hood and I know a lot of dead people. I treat pressure like trauma. I just find new shit to work on to distract me from it. What do you mean? Like, if you're saying you wanted to be distracted from it, like, what part of it do you want to be distracted from? It, in total. Like, I just kind of try to work on other shit to just forget that I'm under pressure. Mm, I see what you're saying. Right. That is both a productive but unhealthy response to that. So I don't advise people who listen to this to, like, take that up as a practice. But that's just something that is just kind of how I'm wired. So I got to be honest about it. It's not really probably the most healthy way to process stress or trauma. No. Right. But I do like to distract myself with more work. Which can, has that, does that hit you? I mean, in that process, putting that album together, do you hit like a creative depression at all? Like, are you running into like struggle with even just be able to get through it? Especially like, I can't imagine what it's like. You have to shine as much as you possibly can, but now you're also getting verses sent in from all these artists that you've been looking up to that are fucking globally known. Mm -hmm. Um, where you almost have to like compete with it to make sure that you feel like you're as adequate as they are on the record, right? Yeah, like you got to change verse 
situations sometimes. Sometimes like you be establish a vibe and the vibe's so cool and it's so present that you think that you're not even looking at it like somebody could come on and wash you and then somebody comes on and washes you and it's like, oh, it's because like I was just trying to like make a tight song. But I don't care. Unless I'm like on some super rap bar for bar shit, I don't give a please come give me a feature and wash me on it. That's what people gonna love. Right. That's what they fans <laughs> gonna like anyway. I don't give a fuck about being washed on my own song. Yeah. If I'm on somebody else's song, I'm they not gonna wash me. Mm. But like on my own song, I, nigga, come do your laundry, right. do the dishes. Yeah. Nigga, wash anything while you're here. Wash everything. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Wash your face. Did you? Uh, regiment. Did you hit? Did you hit any creative depression around the? I'm curious because it's something we talk about all the time, especially in like the video photo community. It's like, you know, people hit walls. Like we're like the last ones to get fed. I feel like in, in a majority of cases. So I think when people hit these walls, they try to find outlets and ways that they can deal with it and how to how yeah. to get around it. How how's that for you when you're creating music? Um, for me, I usually talk about it, the depression in the music because I do hit it. Creative depression didn't happen to me until this year three years mm. in working on this album because I like to distract myself what I'm already good at. And it's like being creative and making songs. Right. But like, I'm not good at the business side of music when it comes to like dotting the T's and crossing I's. I'm not tight at that. That's why I'm not a fucking manager. So right, I'm not right, a right. lawyer. Right. But like this far into my career where I'm moving like a professional and I do already have that music with those artists, it's hard to finish things. Like, mm-hmm. and finish them in a way to where it's ready to be presented. I could easily go in the studio right now, make six songs. Out of those six songs, four of them going to be better than anything anybody could have made on those beats. And two of them literally might sound like they're out of here. But then, like, you got to come up with everything around it, which I'm good at until it, t- until it it's time to, like, do the paperwork, like hit up the artists and get the agreements done and, and call people face to face. Because if my manager does it blind and he just talks to their manager and they don't know about our personal relationship now, like we people are asking for fees and we got calendar availability. It's just so much added onto the creative process now. It's more than just making a song like doing the cover art in Photoshop or fucking now procreate because I'm drawn on my iPad time and just putting it out right 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 it's talking to pr it's being creative about every rollout like we did this for the last song let's do this for the next six what are we doing what what's the viral thing people won't pay attention if it's not if this and it's that it's just so much when you're trying to stay free like if you're trying to be a free creative and you want to stay from like the formulaic approach but at the same time you still got to like do it in that way because it's that's what is being professional at this level well and that's probably the task you gotta uh, you have to do it because you didn't sign to the big corporate labels you know what i mean like you don't have have to have all these different like departments take care of this shit right yeah and then i mean honestly with most labels you gotta do that shit yourself anyway anyway yeah that's true literally that's how it works now you gotta do that shit yourself anyway dog so 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 with that with, with that being said though you know you're saying that that's one of the issues you found this year is that that's, that's the block for you. Right. So then how are you getting around it? Like you obviously have your team that you're leaning on, but like, how do you deal with that part of the process? I mean, it's only going to get worse as you get bigger. Right. Yeah. 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 So how do you I deal mean, with it? For me, it's just 
I like to say it's one thing at a time, but it's never one thing at a time. It's like three or four things at a time. But it's really just I'm trying to program myself to hyper focus instead of giving myself one day to come out here and like figure out a cover. We got two and we got right. a whole game plan to prep for the first day, which is today after I get to get off this cause. What the fuck are we going to do? Yeah. Just to shoot tomorrow and take the time out to build that shit. It's just like you got to give yourself the proper breathing room to do shit. And luckily, it's the end of the year. So seasonal depression is on my ass, but I got a lot more breathing room because it, nothing's open and all the deadlines are hella loose. Right, right, right. No, that's amazing. It, it, felt, it falls in a good place to where I can just kind of like decide what I'm hyper-focusing on daily. Yeah, that's a good tip for sure. Um, I'm, I, I want to talk about you picking, I know you got a, a creator named Paul, right? I don't mm-hmm. remember his last name, but you've been Paul leading Middleton. Paul Middleton. So you've been leaning into him a lot to capture your, uh, you know, you had a lot of tour content. I think just your day vlogs and stuff like this person's with you quite often and is shooting the cover today. Is that what you said? Or tomorrow? Yep, yep, yep. So, Paul lives with me. Paul lives with you. So how important is it for you right away? Like I know you talk about, if you go back to the earlier part of your story, you're saying like you were trying to find on Facebook or whatever, you were trying to find videographers yeah. at the time. So it's been important for you to have a good person with you to create the content. I think his content's great. So he's been able to help tell your story, especially when you're hitting those vlogs and shit. And if we go back to the Wiz Khalifa shit and the Big Sean, like early on, you talk about that content. It's key, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, how important is that for you? And then like, what is that relationship with you and your creator? You know what I mean? The, cre- the video creators and ph- photo creators that you bring around you. It's probably, I mean, right now it's the most important because when I when we brought Paul on and he moved in with me and we were figuring shit out, he was just somebody that was coming to be part of the team and we what is the team? Like what are we figuring out? How can we utilize him to tell what stories? And now it's grown to the part to where like him telling my story is also him telling his story because a part of this part of his life is with me. We live together. So the content that we get, it's so hyper-personal. He know what I like for the most part. I could know what he like, and, and we could kind of, we got synergy now. It, it's way different than I could ever ask for. If I would have had somebody like Paul back in 2013, sure, I would have been out of here. We could have just attacked him from all fronts, from a level that's so professional. So mm-hmm. such the quality. Yeah, right. So then for you, it's just kind of leaning into him Creatively, how are you guys coming up with the concepts that you want to cover? Like, man, there's sometimes where I, I black out and I'm like, man, I don't really know what to do. Here's here, whatever. Right. I got this Dorito shit. We got to figure some shit out. It's always some it's always some wild shit. Like Monster needs me to make a post because right. I'm a Monster music artist. Shout out Monster Music. Love y'all. Uh, Monster needs me to make a post. But I just don't want to post a pic. What can we do? All right, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you this, or he'd be like, "Oh, well, send me a selfie video saying this, and I'm gonna include these things," and that's different. You know what I'm saying? Like the way that we mix media is crazy. Even for like the cover art for the video that I shot yesterday, which is a remix to my song Alpha, I I drew all the art. I came up with the with the inspiration that was kind of in the same direction of like the merch shoot that Paul just did for me and the lookbook but it was just his own derivative. I drew out all the art on my iPad 
he told me to fucking screen record the thing so we can do a time lapse. He put the shit in the Photoshop, did a whole time lapse of his whole process for the shit. And now that's a whole separate piece of content right. that we can roll out on top of just telling people this is the fucking cover art. Right. Like here's how it's made. Mm-hmm. So we find little little cracks to fill in of just like content that never existed. That's ill. That way just by like having that synergy. It's, it's crazy the, the type of shit that we come up with. Yeah, I, I love seeing artists lean into the video photo creatives and even designers and so on, but it's dope that you're being able to do that on your own. But like, it is incredibly important for artists to have someone in their circle that understands them so you guys can vibe versus just hiring someone out to do one task and then they just come yeah. for the check real quick. You know what I mean? But this dude seems to be invested in your brand and inve- obviously it's going to help his brand the more you grow. So mm-hmm. there's a good commitment there from both of you guys, which I think is special, you know? Yeah, Paul's tight. Me and Paul confessed uh, how much we appreciate each other this morning, actually, before we got on a plane. Every day, probably. Yeah. <laughs> is he right? Is he in the room with you right now? Paul right there. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm asking him, it's like for him, how, how hard is it for him to challenge himself to continue to level up with you? You know what I mean? I mean? You could probably hear me right now, but you know what I mean? For him to constantly push the bar, like how important is that for you as a creative with your artist? And I like that you have to say in front of you because that's your boss. You know what I mean? <laughs> Man, I mean, just on a personal level, I can already say just on a personal level, when I see other people doing cool shit, it makes me want to do cool shit. So if I see people coming out with really cool like music videos or drops or something, I'm like, guap, we need to do something that like tops this or like you know like we need to be the next wave or whatever like that's kind of how i think just on my own yeah. cover so then when it comes to working with like any artist it's even more important because artists are just as competitive as content you know what i mean like musicians are just as competitive as like content facts. creators are. No, so it's just it's very competitive but like in a, in a positive right. sense no that's great I, mean? I love hearing that shit and it's cool as fuck to, to hear this at the exact same time because i'm usually talking to one or the other and hearing you guys talk about each other that way in front of each other is dope it's it, i think it is that right yeah no it's good but that's <laughs> that's great uh i mean all my relationships have been like that with my artists that i've worked with too so being able to have that camaraderie and being able to understand how someone's gonna move or think or they're not gonna like that or they will like this let's lean into it more like that that's where all the best shit comes from you know what i mean I also love yeah. Doyle was telling me that you're just the king of merch. The way you fucking sling merch is just like he's never seen anything like it. And he he said that when you guys you guys have been doing these Instagram lives or whatever, and you get people to pull up with the card on, like they're checking out. That's the <laughs> illest shit. Tell me what how did you come up with that idea? Cause yeah. that's fucking tight. I was doing our first uh merch drop ever with yep. Overcast merch. Yeah. Shout out to Andrew. And I was like, fuck, man. This shit's not selling like that, but this shit is tight. And I'm drunk in the studio, just like, like, what can I do? I go on live and I start telling people to buy merch, buy merch. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. Took a shot of some Hennessy. I was like, who, who in the, who, who in the, I forgot what I said specifically, but I was like, who in the live right now want to come on and buy merch? If you buy merch, I'll bring you in the live. You go live with Guap Dad right now. Come on. Yeah. I know you fuck with me. Let's do it. And motherfuckers was like, I'll buy merch, I'll buy merch. So I was like, all right. I, j- I brought the first person in. So he was like, yo, I can't believe I'm alive with Bob Dad. What's up? I don't remember this nigga's name, but he was from Wisconsin because I was seeing T-Pain Wisconsin all night when I went home. That's how, that's how right. my little mnemonic device for that. But I was like, uh, I was like, come on, what are we doing? He's like, all right, 
where I buy it at? I'm like, go up to mm-hmm. 4000com let's go. And he was like, shit, all right, fuck it. And when people on live seen him actually make that purchase, my brain just started buzzing. And I was like, damn, it's people that want to really buy them, spend their money with me right now I mean, just that, because yeah. they get to interact with me. Fuck, <laughs> I'm going to do this all day. And then I, I, started, I did it for like two hours. And then I got to thinking on some, on some pimping shit. I'm like, I bet I could punk people to buy merch too. I bet, I bet if I get people in life who didn't even want to buy merch, right, right. I bet I could still make them buy merch. Let me try that. So I just start adding <laughs> random people and then they get on live and they get stuck and they're like, uh, 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 and I'm like, well, we, you buying merch, right? That's what we doing. Yeah. And so, cause they on Fresh street right there. Nobody wants to be like, oh no, I can't. I mean, people still do, but like in general, I'm, you could get people to spend That's money. Fucking genius. It's a salesman tactic. Some people feel really uncomfortable <laughs> saying no. Remember they teach you at the bank when you got to upsell some new accounts and credit card and shit. That's the um, that's the root of upselling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making you feel uncomfortable, so you just say "fuck it," pull the trigger because you don't want to be embarrassed in front of however many thousands of people be paying attention to this shit. That's a funny ass tactic. I love that shit, and mm-hmm. it's cool because like, not everyone can do that. You know what I mean? Or not everyone's gonna dedicate the time the time to that. But that's such a personal connection for that one person. Every time they wear that shirt, they're gonna remember why they got that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, Bob Dad made me buy it on. Yeah, the he made me buy that but shit. But also though, I don't do it. Like I, I'm doing, I'm putting that, applying that pressure subconsciously. I'm not like, I'm talking to people like adults, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I'm talking yeah. to people with respect. I'm not like, you fucking, fucking shithead piece of shit. Buy the fucking <laughs> shit, stupid bitch. I'm, I'm saying, I'm just like, oh no, we buying merch. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. We buying merch. Doyle said, Doyle said there was someone, some famous, he didn't know who it was. But he's like, there was some famous chick that popped up in the live. And you said, what are you doing? Are you buying merch? She said, no. And you were just like next to her. <laughs> He's like, he didn't yeah. even care. I booted that bitch out. I, <laughs> she couldn't be. She, she was, she soiled it though. After that, I had to end the live because she came with so many trolls. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like DJ Academics fan pages and shit. Right. I was like, you kind of ruined this whole experience. I got to start over. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bro, like, you know, you've been, you've been in a cool position. Your shit's growing. You, you, you were able to fucking hop on Dreamville's project and like I think that might have been probably where the first time I, I mean I know I've heard you passively but you know what I mean like put on to you where I'm just like oh shit this is like real fire you know what I mean and start paying attention to mm-hmm. it and then the music videos and whatnot how was that for you getting that opportunity to work with you know I mean Cole just puts on so many dope people you know what I mean I know Reason did this, it was it was ill for him too and everyone just gets put onto that package like people were paying attention like did you see a, a bump in that for yourself and what was that for you? Nigga, hell yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I got, I went to the Grammys. Yeah. First of all. That's crazy. I went to the Grammys because of that. I am now a Grammy nominated artist. Right? I, I love That's the fire. air horns. I got my first gold plaque for Costa Rica, which I did the hook. That's amazing. And I got my first platinum plaque for the album. That's crazy. And my first billboard number one too. You, uh, you say your mom's still in the picture? Mm-hmm. For her, you know what I mean? For you knowing that you had to like try to be the man of the house. You said, I think you just mentioned that you lost the house at a certain point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like this shit is incredible, bro. And and that's in the past, that's in the past like 15 months. So what does this mean to your family, to yourself? Like to be able to finally like, like that's real proof right there to, that this shit's working. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, they might've always believed in you, but 
like what does it mean? I mean, that they everyone... did, but like they don't know the ins and outs. They don't see the little progress. Mm-hmm. They only see like if something changes in our lifestyle or not. Right. If I'm able to help more or not. They don't understand. They wouldn't even be able to calculate what a solid stride forward is in the industry or in my career. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they're not in that world. They only know like fucking uh, Rich the Kid posted a new Lambo on Instagram. Right. That's what rappers do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to see me at the Grammys on that red carpet was everything. Yeah. Everything. My grandma cried. My mama cried. It was beautiful. That, so your grandma beat breast cancer? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, good, bro. You didn't finish that part of the story, so I didn't know if that turned out good or not. My mom was uh, a two-time survivor, she too. Is, she going to shoot with us tomorrow. Oh, for real? Mm-hmm. That was fire. Yeah, that's got to be a, a, a full circle moment, bro, to be able to walk the red carpet of the Grammys and, and to be able to have all these flowers, you know, thrown your way and to be a part of a project that was, like, just so good for music. You know what I mean? For it, It's just, I don't know. And it's a way to expose so many artists, so I'm sure your fan base is just growing by the numbers through that shit. As you, you know, wrapping this up, I know you said you, there's a remix coming out for the Alpha record, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what's up with that? Um, it's with BFB, the Pac-Man, and it drops on the 11th. We shot the video yesterday. Oh, fire. There's another video? Mm-hmm. So is it going to be similar to the one that you shot with the car and shit? Nothing even fucking really? close. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that. So that's all dropping on the... If you go on my Instagram... You see, we already started rolling out the early promo. So by the time, when is this, when is this podcast On uh, Monday. Oh, yeah. By the time uh, this motherfucking podcast drop, the video would, be at, would already right. be out. All right, everyone check so, that shit out for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, bro, this is, it's a cool climb, man. And I think it's inspiring to a lot of people and to hear how in tune you are with the path and the career path of developing yourself and, and being able to navigate through these waters, which are typically very rough. You know what I mean? Um, you mm-hmm. seem to like hold your head high above it and be able to figure out how to navigate proper, which is, I commend you for that. Cause that's not fucking easy to do. And you hear so many horror stories and it seems like you just have kind of juked around that shit. You know, I'll be trying to juke. We, we do hit our, our own speed bumps and our own horror stories. It's not all like fucking glorious, but like we do a good job at, at bouncing back. It's, it's all about the bounce back game. The bounce back be so tight and be so mm-hmm. worth it that like we don't even got time to talk about when the, when we ran right. out of gas. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. fuck that shit. You and uh, you and Paul yeah. was that your first? Both of your guys' first time going out of the country when you went when you were on tour with Denzel. Mm-hmm. How was that? I mean, I've been out the country before, but no, never, never never like on the full Europe bus down. Right. That was my first European tour. I have been out the country before. I'm Filipino. We used to go to the Philippines all the time as a kid. And I also was went to a French private school. So I've been to France on an exchange program, France and Germany. Oh, dope. But this is my first like European tour as a rapper on the team. And it was, shout, first of all, shout out to Denzel for bringing me. <laughs> what? That shit yeah. was so crazy. Not nah, his shows. His shows are so dialed. You know what oh, I mean? His course. production. I was taking crazy. notes and I applied that shit. Denzel literally gave me the juice to be, I feel like, one of the most engaging young performers out right now. Mm. If I had a, like, Travis Scott stage budget, I'd do better than him. Fuck. 
on my mama I would. And can't nobody tell me I wouldn't. You guys go I'm off. funnier than Travis and I'm more handsome. <laughs> would you tell him that to his face? Mm-hmm. Okay, word. That's competitive. That's good. I feel like that's I, I wouldn't say nothing. No. I don't do I think I could outsell Travis and records and all that shit. Man, hell no. And Kanye West protege had a baby by the the hottest bitch uh little sister in the world. <laughs> so I don't think I could be more famous than him at this point yet. Yeah. But if I had a stage budget, could I outperform him and think of some crazier shit? Yeah, yes, I do. And when you do decide that like when when shows happen again, and have you done your own solo tour yet? Was that was that in the works? Mm-hmm. You I was done supposed that? to do it. That was twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So when it when that comes to the to fruition, is it it's up to you really on how much you're trying to invest into the stage budget, essentially, right? Like you're basing that off of your your, your ticket sales and like what you want to put in pre investment because you got to hire for all these people, right? So like there is yep. there is like you have to lean into the air caution, right, with that because you don't want to overspend, even though you know if you could do Travis budgets, it'd be dumb, but you have to kind of like. Cause I ain't making Travis yeah, money. You got to climb to it, mm-hmm. right? So there, yeah, you got to find your balance. But is there's for you? There's ways to be creative with what you have in that in that circus, right? Like you, you already know that that's part of this whole shit. Yeah, you show that every step of the way. Mm-hmm. That's fire, bro. Um, if anybody is good at working with what they got, <laughs> it's the team over here. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It's funny. I know how to do that shit like the back of my mm-hmm. head. What? Yeah. You mean to tell me I only got three inches of <laughs> of space? You mean this due yesterday? <laughs> I got it. What uh um to wrap this shit up? I know you you're busy. You gotta get your shoot planned out and everything. Um, what we do is we have. I always end it, and I have my guests pick this hashtag right. So what I tell everyone to do is go to your Instagram, and they're gonna put in whatever your most recent mm-hmm. post is. They're gonna they're gonna put your they're gonna tag you they're gonna tag me at Ben Rivers World and Black Window Cream and they're gonna put this hashtag so whenever we see this hashtag we're both gonna know that they listen to this whole shit all the way through so it can be whatever the fuck you want uh huh what do you want it to um, be I, oh shit this just come out Monday I probably had hashtag Guap Chad for Daniel <laughs> you said Guap Chad what for like the number four yeah Daniel. We got to light up the comments, all right? Make sure we know that you heard this shit. I appreciate that, man. Yo, I commend you, bro. You sound like a student. You're a fucking excellent student. Like, I could tell that shit. You've been paying attention close, and, and I'm I'm glad to have met you uh, and get this moment with you or whatever. So I, good luck with your career, bro. You're going to kill that shit, and thanks man. for talking to our community. Thank you for having me on. Shout out to my boy, Andrew. If yep. y'all listen to me, y'all want some motherfucking merch, manufactured. Fuck with Overcast's merch because right. they got it going on over there. That's a big fact. <laughs> uh, all right, appreciate it, bro. Stay safe. All right. All right, later, player. Yo, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit that subscribe button. If you want to connect with other like-minded creatives, share your work, get feedback, ask questions, find job opportunities, and so much more, join our free private community at bwnc.com slash join. We would love to have you. Please join. I'm excited for this new YouTube channel like I talked about in the beginning. We're going to give it a lot of energy. So if you guys can give us the same energy back, make sure to do all the typical bullshit YouTube things that every YouTuber asks you for. You know, like the video, comment on the video for the algorithm. Make sure to subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Blah, blah, blah. Pull up, please. Black Window Cream YouTube channel. We need you to do it. The link is in the description. I don't ask for much. 
and, and all I do is really just ask so you can help this thing get more exposure. Um, so I appreciate y'all doing that. Morning Rose coming up next week. See you in a few days. Yeah, bitch. Oh, 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 oh,